Hey, I'm Pastor Jeff Dawes, lead pastor here at Stockbridge Community Church. I just want to say thank you for joining us here online. It is our prayer today that today's message would be helpful and meaningful to your life. If you're in the South Atlanta area, I would personally like to invite you to come to one of our three services on Sunday at 9 a.m., 10.30 a.m., and 12 p.m. We're located at 4401 Highway 155 North in Stockbridge, Georgia. You may visit our website for more information at sccview.net. Again, that's sccview.net. Thanks again for listening. I hope that you have a wonderful day. Well, hello, everybody. My name's Chesney. I'm the family ministry pastor, and it's my privilege to get to bring the message this week as we are uh, continuing our brand new series called Words of Hope. Pastor Jeff did a fantastic job last week, our lead pastor, of bringing the Easter message, and we had a fantastic Easter celebration as we celebrated over 1,300 people coming to church here at SEC. 28 people gave their life to Christ for the first time, and over 250 kids were in our services. Isn't that amazing? Just amazing. So we are so glad that you are here today. He did a great job last week talking about um, the first sermon about Jesus. He was on the cross, and he has these words that he's saying as he's dying. And so that's where we're going to focus our attention again today. Last week, we started with when Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. And we talked about the word forgive, and today we're going to dive in and talk about a different word today. I don't know about you, but um, over my lifetime as being a Christian, as being a follower of Christ, there's been times that I have had doubts. Um, I was very young when I gave my life to Christ. In fact, if I'm honest, I don't remember praying that prayer for the first time. Now, I've prayed it a thousand times since then, right? We all mess up almost every day and have to ask Jesus to forgive us probably for something. But I don't really remember that first time asking him to forgive me. I remember a couple of incidences around that time in my life. I was seven years old and I was going to church camp for the first time. And I remember my camp counselor asking me, have you asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life? And I'll never forget the room we were in. I will never forget where, who she was and where we were. And I looked at her and I said, yes. And I remember being honest and, and meaning it with all of my heart. I, I, I knew that I was a Christian. And then about a couple of years later, my dad had this habit that every Sunday morning he watched this one TV preacher and, uh, you know, that was when TV preachers just came on mostly on Sunday mornings or on Sundays. And so he, I asked him, I said, this preacher has this book about being saved. Dad, can you help me uh, order this book? And he did. We, we wrote out the, the address on the envelope. We put the paper in there. We sent it off. And sure enough, I got this little booklet in the mail that talked about salvation and how to know you're saved and that kind of thing. And I still have it. My name's written in it. I think I was like age nine. But I don't remember that first time praying. And so sometimes through my teenage years, the devil, as he does, the enemy of our soul, would come and, and I would feel him or even myself doubting, saying, you know what, you're probably not saved. You don't even remember saying the prayer. Now is it just like the devil to take words that God says, have him twist them, and then have him cause us, uh, tempt us to believe things that the Bible or God doesn't even say. I mean, he did that to Adam and Eve, right? In the Garden of Eden, he took God's words, he twisted them, and would tempt them into committing the first sin of man. 
He would even take the words with Jesus in the desert when he was being tempted 40 days. He would take words, he would twist them and try to tempt Jesus. But Jesus being the perfect man, the Son of God, he did not sin. And so I can't think in my life, you know, what's worse than being between two decisions. What's right and what's wrong. Is this true or is this not true? Is this a good idea or is this the better idea? Sometimes being between two decisions can drive you insane. Amen? You really just don't know what to do. You don't know what the right thing is to do or the right thing is to believe. And so I've been there in my life with salvation and and me doubting, is this really true? And so we see Jesus, he's being led up a hill to be crucified between two thieves. And that's where we pick up the text to find out what word it is that we're going to talk about today. Luke 23, verses 39 through 43 says this. One of the criminals hanging beside Jesus hurled insults at him. So you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. But the other criminal, the one on the other side, rebuked him. Don't you fear God even when you're dying? We deserve to die for our evil deeds, but this man has not done anything wrong. And then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you. In other words, I guarantee it. I assure you that today you will be with me in paradise. So the word that I want us to look at, the word from the cross of Jesus, the word assurance. Assurance. What can we be assured of? Well, I don't know about you, but I think this is probably the most famous last-minute salvation in the history of the world. A man is on his deathbed, so to speak. He turns to Jesus. He asks Jesus to accept him, to remember me. And Jesus says, today. Not let me think about it. Not, well, you got to do some things to get this right. No, he says, today, you will be with me in paradise. So we're going to look at the word assurance today. And and when you came in today, you received Lifesaver. So you're going to help me teach the message today, if you will. Now, there's five different flavors uh, throughout the congregation. And I think there's five things at a minimum that we need to know about salvation. So if you hadn't eaten yours yet, you get to participate. For those of you that got hungry, then you'll just have to pretend or borrow one, okay? So we're going to look at five things today that can help us about combating doubt in our life when it comes to salvation. So, some of you are going to receive confirmation today. You're going to be like, oh, that's good to know, so that when I feel doubt in my life, I can remember this. Some of you may receive new information today, maybe just had no idea. Or maybe you're receiving information that you can go and you can share with someone else. I hope that you'll keep that in mind today as we go along. So, let's get back to Jesus and the two thieves. Obviously, if Jesus tells you that you're going to heaven, you're going to heaven. Would you agree with that? Amen? Jesus doesn't lie, and so this is what he says. Now, this guy was a low life. He was a street criminal. He probably was uneducated. He'd probably been running from the the law enforcement his entire life. And yet there's things that he knew on that cross 
that I think we need to know today. And the first is this. On your outline, I want you to write this down if you will. Number one, I must know I'll face God after I die. I must know I will face God after I die. Now, for those of you that received the orange lifesaver, would you hold those up for me? Orange lifesaver, okay, very good. You guys, your lifesaver is going to represent God. Now, I don't know about you, but when I picture God in heaven, I don't really picture a face, I just picture a lot of light. You know, a glow about him. And so, I think orange, I think of the sun, I just think this is going to represent God, so you can eat those if you want to. Uh, but that is going to represent God today. Now, when the first criminal begins insulting Jesus because the crowd's insulting Jesus, the other soldiers are insulting Jesus, and he joins in. But the second criminal says in verse 40, Don't you fear God even when you are dying? Why did he say this? What is he saying? Don't you realize the seriousness of your decisions that you're making right now don't you understand that you are on your deathbed don't you understand you are minutes away from seeing your maker the creator of the universe you're about to meet and you're over here insulting the son of god this thief was coming to a realization that jesus was who he said he was now i think the reason that people live like this they live just kind of any old way they want to is because they think that death is the end. That after we die, it's all over. But can I tell you today that death's not the end of anything? That death is the beginning. That we may live a hundred years here on this earth, but we will spend trillions and trillions and trillions of years on the other side that this life is preparation for the next. This life is a dress rehearsal for what we're going to do in the next life. In fact, Hebrews 9.27 says it this way, that everyone must die once and after that be judged by God. And so we will meet him when we leave this earth. To be absent here is to be present with the Lord. So that's one appointment that we can't cancel. That's one appointment that for those of us that are chronically late all the time, we won't be late for we will not be late for this one appointment. And so I think it would be foolish for us to spend our entire life not preparing for a moment that we can't get out of. In fact, pastor says it this way so many times that we're not ready to live until we're really ready to die. And so I encourage you today to know this truth. That I must know I'll face God after I die. The second thing I think that this thief knew that I think we should know is number two, I must know I've sinned against God. I must know that I have sinned against God. Now, those of you that got the purple grape-colored lifesaver, do you have that one? Those of you? Okay. Well, yours isn't going to represent the opposite of God. It's the darkest one in the bag, okay? So yours is going to represent sin today. You may feel funny about eating sin, but that's okay. Jesus will forgive us. This one is going to represent sin. In Luke 23 and 41, the, the criminal says, We deserve to die for our evil deeds. He knew what he had done. 
And there's a word for that. It's called confession. Many of us have been a part of confessing our sins to God, confessing what it is that we've done. And I think that the, the next memory verse after John 3.16 that you learn in your life ought to be 1 John 1.9, and it is our memory verse for today. And it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, from all the wrongdoings that we have done. What is confession? Confession is simply agreeing with God. Agreeing, yes, God, I lied. That was wrong. God, I cheated on that test. That was wrong. God, that arrogant attitude, that attitude of bitterness, that outburst of anger, yes, God, that was all wrong. And the, the goal is that it leads us to repentance, but it starts with an attitude of confession, with the action of confessing. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us what this thief had done. We don't know. We just know he was a thief. Did he steal objects? Did he steal lives? We don't, we don't know what he did. But he was being crucified for a good reason. And he knew that what he had done probably warranted that. And it doesn't really matter what he did because James 2.10 says if we've broken one law... We've broken all the laws. In other words, if we break one crime, we're a criminal. If we break one law, we're a lawbreaker. If we sin once, we're, a, we're all sinners and have fallen short of God's glory. But here's the problem. Heaven is a perfect place, isn't it? I mean, that's what we're, we read. God is perfect, and in Him, there's, there's nothing outside of perfect. God's Son was perfect, but but we've already established that we're not. So God had a big plan. And that's where number three comes in. And that is this. Would you write this down? I must know that Jesus was more than a man. I must know that Jesus was more than a man. Now those of you that received the yellowish pineapple lifesaver, do you have that one? Anybody received that one? Okay, I see a few of those. This one is going to represent Jesus. Jesus was pure. He was holy. He was without, without sin, tempted in every way, yet he did not sin. And this thief knew that. In fact, in, in Luke 23, 41, the, the second part of that, that verse, he says, this man has not done what? Would you circle anything? He has not done anything wrong. Now again, we've already established we're not perfect, so God had to make a way. And so 2 Corinthians 5.21 brings us right up to that. God had Christ, who was what? Would you circle that? He was sinless. Take our sin so that we might receive God's what? Approval through Him. I don't know about you, but there's been times in my life where I didn't feel approved of. Maybe a certain circle of friends, maybe at home, maybe uh, even at church, maybe on my job or at school. I didn't feel approved of. But right here, this verse says that we might receive God's approval through him. That's good news. This is what we call the great exchange. This is what we call salvation. That Jesus would walk into our life and he would say, you know what? You did the crime, but I'll do the time. 
You messed up, but I'll take all the guilt and I'll take all the shame. You did this, but I'll step up for you and I'll take the punishment. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever would believe in Him would not perish, but He would have eternal life. Norman Borlaug was a man of only six in the world to receive three awards. The Nobel Peace Prize, the Congressional Medal of Honor, and the President's Medal of Freedom. Only one in six to receive these three awards. He was a brilliant scientist who invented crops that were disease-resistant. In fact, in the 20th century, he saved more than a billion people from starvation because of his invention. The UN director of the food bank said this, Norman Borlaug has saved more lives than any man in history. His heart was as big as his brilliant mind, but it was his passion and compassion that moved the world. He was a real hero. Norman saved over a billion people, but he never proclaimed or claimed to be the savior of the world. In fact, Norman was a person that had asked Jesus into his heart. He had grown up Lutheran. And in fact, when he accepted the Nobel Peace Prize, his speech included scripture from Isaiah. Now, Norman understood that although he had saved a lot of people in the world, he still needed a Savior. And so do we. And that's Jesus Christ. Number four. The fourth thing that I... I want you to know that I think this thief knew, and that was this. I must know I am only saved by God's grace. I'm only saved by God's grace. Those of you that received a green lifesaver when you came in, you have that? How many received a green one? Okay, I see a few green ones. This one is a good one. It's actually my favorite. It's watermelon. So when you eat that one, you'll be glad you did. It's not like lime or something gross. Um, it represents life and it represents grace. And so after the thief said, we deserve to die, this man's done nothing wrong. We've done all these things wrong and, and we deserve this. This is what he says in Luke 23 and 42. Then he said, Jesus, remember me. Will you say those words with me? Remember me. Those two words. One thing we know is he can't save himself. He can't get down off the cross. He can't do a lot of charity work to make up for what he's done. He cannot go and give back all the things that he's stolen. He can't give back life if he's taken it. So he turns to Jesus and just asks him to remember me. Two words. Remember me. He's wasted his life. He's got nothing to offer. Remember me. The point that I'm trying to make is it's not really the words. It's more the direction of your heart. If a person is humble and the direction of their heart is toward God, guess what? It counts. And so today... We can understand that salvation is more than just a Jesus save me prayer... Because when I believe what I'm praying, then I'll live out what I'm saying. In other words, I will change the way I act because I believe differently. I'll change the way I talk 
because I believe differently. But it starts with an attitude of the heart. It starts with my direction turned toward God. There was a Bible translator who worked for the Wycliffe Bible Organization. He was a missionary, and his job was to go to the inner jungles of Mexico and to translate the book of Mark into their language. Now, these people didn't speak common Spanish. It was more of an indigenous language. It was kind of their own language around Spanish. So he had to learn their alphabet. He had to take their alphabet. He had to put it into context where the book of Mark was concerned. And it took him eight years to do that. And over the, the time that he was with them for eight years, he began to try to win them to Jesus. He began to talk to them about what God had done for them. And sadly, at the end of the eight years, not one person had faithfully come to know Jesus Christ. Not one person. He was so disappointed, but it was time for him to return home. And right before he left, a middle-aged man by the name of Jose had a heart attack. He was a farmer. They took Jose to this very primitive hospital in the village, just an oxygen tent over him. And the missionary thought, I've just got to try one more time. Jose was coming in and out of consciousness. He was going into a coma. He wasn't even sure if he would be able to understand anything he was saying, if he was able to, to hear anything, but he decided he had to try. And so he came beside Jose's bed and he said, Jose, do you know that God sent his son Jesus to die for you? And again, Jose's coming in and out of consciousness. He don't even know that, that he can understand anything that he's saying, but he hears a faint reply. And Jose simply says, See. Not really sure if he's, he's understanding anything. He goes on to say, Jose, do you know that if you accept Jesus into your heart, that he'll be the Lord of your life and he'll be in charge of your eternity? See. Jose, do you know that your life will forever be changed now because you're, are you saying that you're accepting Jesus? See. And Jose fades off into, to his, into a coma state. The missionary, again, wasn't sure if anything went, if he registered with him, he wasn't sure if anything made sense. But he left and went to go back to his, his home state. Ten years later, this missionary returns and finds a thriving church of 65 people. He was so excited he couldn't believe it. He went to the village and he said, tell me who was the missionary that came and, and helped you guys turn to Christ and, and, and built this great church. And they said, oh, there was no missionary. Jose got sick, but he got well. And he came back and he had a Bible that he, he had found and he began to tell us about Jesus. And now all of us, all 65 of us are saved. And we have this church and we're trying to tell our families about Jesus as well. What do you have to know and say to get to heaven? See. Remember me. It starts with an attitude of the heart toward God. 
And that's where Jose found himself. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says it this way, For it is by grace, will you circle grace? It is by grace that you have been saved. In no other way, it's a free gift. It's a free gift through faith, and this is not from yourself. It's from, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. It's not because we're good. It's because God's good. That He's accepted us. That He's made a way for us to be saved, to be accepted, and to be acceptable for God. There's a fifth thing I want you to know today. I think the thief knew this, and it, was, it, it would be this, if you will write this down. I must know Jesus will save me if I ask. I must know Jesus will save me if I ask. Now, who has the reddish-colored lifesaver? This one is a good one. It represents Jesus. It represents the blood that he shed for us. And I hope that these lifesavers have helped you remember this message or will in some way. But the important thing to know is that you understand who the real lifesaver is. Amen. And that it's Jesus Christ. And that he has made a way for us. The thief had just asked Jesus to remember him. And in verses 42 and 43, he says this. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. The most famous last minute salvation. He knew Jesus wasn't just a prophet. He knew that he wasn't an imposter. He knew that he was who he said he was. That he was the son of God. And it's so interesting to note here that this thief who was dying on the cross, this gruesome death right beside Jesus, the same way that he was dying, never asked him one time to relieve him of his pain. I know that he had heard probably of Jesus raising the dead. I know that he had probably heard of Jesus uh, healing people, doing miracles. He never asked him to deliver him from his death. He knew that he had a greater need. His greatest need was not deliverance from his pain. His greatest need was deliverance from his sin. Remember me. This is our greatest need still today. Acts 16.31 says this, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be what? Saved. It's certain, it's immediate. And does it change my life? Absolutely. Do I act differently? Absolutely. Do I talk differently? Absolutely. But it starts with confessing, believing, and an attitude turned toward God. Maybe you have doubts about your salvation. Maybe like I did when I was a teenager, maybe like sometimes the devil still wants to say, you don't even remember your prayer. Well, one thing I did to kick the devil in the tooth was when I was 15 years old, I got baptized. And somehow, putting a seal over your salvation with baptism helps you to go, you know, yeah, but I remember that day. And that wasn't the day that I was saved, but that's the day that I told everybody I was. 
And so if you've not been baptized, if you've not publicly told everyone that, hey, I'm following Jesus, April 17th is your day, I'd ask you, you would just mark that on your card. As Pastor Chris said, maybe you were baptized really early in life and you not really lived up to that baptism. You want to do a rededication baptism. Pastor Jeff's going to be in the pool that day. And I'd encourage you to be a part of that. Maybe you're like me. Next step number three, I will review this message when I need assurance of God's grace for myself. I have doubt sometimes. I need to be assured. That just like this thief, all he said was, remember me. And Jesus said, you're going to be with me in heaven. And when Jesus says you're going to heaven, you're going to heaven. I can be assured. So I need to remember that sometimes. Maybe today you aren't sure of your salvation at all. And you'd say, well, when is the day, when is the time for salvation? Well, the Bible's very clear about that, 2 Corinthians 6 and 2. This is the hour to receive God's favor. Today is the day to be saved. It was 20 years ago, this very day, April 3rd. My dad's brother, my uncle, was bringing my cousin home from middle school. He was 14 years old, and... Two buddies hopped in the Volkswagen Beetle with them, saying, hey, can you give us a ride too? And he did. And as he was coming around a curve, a, a, a road would kind of tee into this curve, and two teenagers topped a hill, racing their vehicles, and ran a stop sign and T-boned my uncle in his little Volkswagen Beetle. Pushed him over onto my cousin, shielding my cousin, killing my uncle instantly and killing the teenagers in the back seat as well. One was in my youth group and one was a neighbor. My uncle was dead and these two teenage boys. My cousin was rushed to the emergency room for surgery and it saved his life, but he's never been the same since. How does a 14-year-old deal with that? Life is a vapor. It's fading. As pastor stood in the um, funeral home this week with Miss Rhonda Sidlinger and celebrating her life. Many of you may have heard Homer and Carla are here, here today. And he said, this life is preparation for the next. There's an assignment for you in heaven on the other side of eternity. And we've got to prepare. And we've got to be ready. And today's the day. So I'd ask you, would you pick up this connection card? Would you just go ahead, if you're not sure, just go ahead and check that box that says, Today I'm praying the prayer to become a Christ follower. I'm going to pray with you. I'm not going to ask you to stand. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. You just pray that prayer in your seat to yourself. Just mark that card so we can pray for you this week. There's a version of the prayer in your program. You can just follow along if you want. And after I'm finished, there's going to be some, a prayer team member down front to pray with you if you would like any, for anybody that's here today. But if you're here today and you want to settle this issue, you want to be sure, I ask you today to pray this prayer with me. Father in heaven, thank you for the beautiful exchange. Thank you for Jesus that came, that took my sin upon himself made me acceptable 
And Jesus, you're doing that for every person that's sitting in this congregation today. You're making us acceptable before you. If we'll just ask, if we'll confess, today's the day, not at the end of our life, not tomorrow. Today is the day. Help us accept you. Forgive us of our sin. Help us to follow you and to follow your plan for our life. Help us to prepare this side of eternity for the next. Jesus, remember me. It's your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hi, this is Pastor Jeff again. I just want to say I hope you enjoyed today's message. If you would like to support God's work through Stockbridge Community Church, simply go to our website at secview.net. Again, that's secview.net. And click the Give tab. We want to thank you again for being with us today. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.